the last time? Does Alan know something I don't? Am I going to die after this? I thought he was going to say, welcome up, Pastor Jim Gaff again. Yeah, I ripped him off. Uh, well, welcome. Um, so good to be here. It's been awesome just to spend time with you guys and get to know so many of you and just see that the Lord's doing a work this weekend. It's been really, really cool. Um, I was thinking about this last session, and I was thinking about what should I do for it. Um, I know that we're going to have a time of testimony and you guys sharing, so I didn't want to talk too long this time. Um, I've been known for being long-winded, so... Um, I was praying about what to do, and uh, one of the things the Lord put on my heart is just we've been talking a lot about the kingdom. Um, Our first day, we talked about what is the kingdom and kind of redefining that whole idea of heaven being something much different than this far-off mystical land we're waiting for, and we don't really have much evidence for what it is and what it looks like. Um, We redefined it as knowing that, yes, it is our final destination. It's a place that we're going to, but it's a reality God calls us to live into right now, and it's a life he calls us to follow right now. We're called to live for heaven right now. We're called to build the kingdom right now. We're called to do it with the king, with Jesus. And so that's honestly one of the topics that I'm so excited about. Um, And it just, my whole life revolves around just that idea of following Jesus and living for his kingdom. And right now I'm reading this book about heaven um, called Heaven by this guy named Randy Alcorn, and it's just blowing my mind with just this awesome kind of vision and glimpse of what heaven could be and and what the Bible actually says it is. So I wanted to open up, just if you guys want to, a few minutes of kind of Q&A and um, just kind of that opportunity for you guys to ask questions um, about kind of the practical implications of what that means. Because honestly, you can go to a retreat like this and you can hear a message and kind of get really excited and you can come home and be like, wait, but how does this practically, like how do I live this out on a regular basis? So um, yeah, I'd like to open it up. And if you guys don't have questions or if you're like, I'm shy, I don't want to ask a question because then people will think I don't know anything and I know some things. I know I know two plus two equals four, but if I raise my hand, they might not know that I know that. So, um, but no, seriously, I, I'd say take the opportunity and ask some questions. And but if not, I've got some other things I could say. So, um, let me just pray right now, and we'll just ask the Lord to lead this time. Lord, we love you, and uh, God, I just pray that if there are questions that people have on their hearts that would be beneficial to the rest of the students, that those questions be asked and answered. Um, I pray that you'd help students to be bold and uh, willing to share and ask. Um, and Lord, if, uh, if we don't have questions, Lord, I pray that you'd just guide this time and that you'd be with us, God, because we need your spirit every day, every moment. We need you to guide us, Lord. We're we're just like, we're, we're just floating, Lord, in, in the wind, and you are the wind. Your Holy Spirit is the wind, and it blows us wherever it wants to, God, unless we make our hearts like stone and we want to go our own way. But I pray that right now, uh, myself included, Lord, that we would just submit to your Spirit and that this time would be whatever you want it to be. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Anybody have any questions about anything? You can raise your hand and I will maybe walk over to you.
Come on. It's always got to be the first person. Yes. The Keith Green song I mentioned last night was um, Asleep in the Light. And I'd really encourage you guys to check out Keith Green. Now, I've got to give you a little forewarning. Some of his stuff is like very, very, very like Christian 1970s music. Like guitar riff comes in. Like just, you know, you can imagine your dad like in his like long hair and like just a giant mustache, just like, yeah, this is rad. I love this, you know? So some of it's kind of corny, but like the overwhelming, I'd say that's like 25% of his songs are kind of corny and weird, but 75% is like gold. It's just him on a piano and his voice is like the voice of an angel. He's such a passionate guy. There's some biographies, um, written about him and even some books that are collections of messages. Like he would always like at his concerts be up at the piano, but then he'd stop and he'd like preach a message. He was one of those worship leaders where he didn't just sing, he would like preach at his concerts. So there's actually books where they're like collections of his sermons and they've been some of the most impactful messages on my life. Um, Any other questions? Yes. The five points I didn't get to. So I tried to do five points in one message not a good idea, especially for me, because I tend to just drift off and go long on things. Um, I actually slipped the rest of the points into the other messages secretly. Um, but, yeah, you want kind of the whole complete package. Um, okay, let me go back to my notes on that. Or maybe I can just remember. Let me try to remember. Um, <clears throat> five points about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is already but not yet, number one. The kingdom of God is upside down, number two. The kingdom of God is, I think, number three, among us. Wait, what was number three? Do you guys know? It was in in anybody's notes? And I'll try to look it up on mine. Give me a second. What was it? I wish I could hear you, but I have the hearing of an old lady. (laughs) Um, Hold on. I, I can't do two things at once. Looking at my notes and I'm getting texts from my bank right now. Why? Um, where, where is it? Okay, upside down. Um, it's a lot of stuff about upside down. Let's see. Man. Okay, the kingdom of God is among you. I think that was number three. And then, let's see. The kingdom of God is advancing. That was number five. I think that's all of them. I think there was just four. I think I said five when there was just four. So the kingdom of God is among you, and just to break that down really quick, um, I think we talked about one of the other messages, but it's this idea of wherever the king is, the kingdom is. So right now in this room, the kingdom is here, which is this awesome idea. It's like to get to the kingdom, we don't have to die and go there. That's going to happen. That's like the final destination. 
But because we're here with the king and we're citizens of the king and we're worshiping the king and we're listening to the king and loving, he's right here in our midst. He's among us. And then advancing is my favorite. That was kind of the whole message of um, last night um, about preaching the gospel. So in any kingdom, like if you have a military kingdom and um, it wants to expand its borders, how does the kingdom advance? It you know, goes out in military might. If you've got a medieval kingdom, the knights go and they grab their swords and they go out and they take territory. Well, for us, our weapon is not swords. Our weapon is love and the gospel. And here's something that's important to remember. I think a lot of times growing up in Christian culture, um, I think sometimes... Um, Maybe, I don't know if it's the older generation. I mean, it can be us too. It's everybody. We lose sight because we look at people as the enemy. You know what I mean? We look at certain groups of people, like certain people who sin in certain ways, and and we look at them and we go, man, they're the problem. Like, they're the problem. Like, our whole world is basically going to hell in a handbasket, and it's those guys' problem. Like, fill in the blank. Maybe you've heard your parents say that. Maybe you've said that. You've looked at your school, and you're like, man, these people are the problem. And we, we make people the enemy, but the reality is people are never the enemy. They're prisoners of the enemy. Any sinner in your life that's making your life hard, they're not the enemy. They're actually a victim. They're a victim of deception. They've been deceived by Satan, and they're giving into sin. And the Bible says that they're a prisoner. And so we need to learn to look at people who are in sin with compassion and go, man, before I had Jesus, that was me. And that person needs love just as much as I did. And I've been given the opportunity to set the captives free. Like you're, the Bible says that we do not fight enemies of flesh and, or blood. So we don't fight enemies who are humans. Humans are never the enemy. It's Satan who's the enemy. We fight villains that are composed of spiritual nature. They're the ones who are behind the scenes. Um, any other questions? Somebody. Yes. Or did you, you totally just did that thing where you're like stretching for a minute. That was really quick. You were like, you were like this. Let me just show you. You don't, you obviously don't know what you look like. So I will tell you, you're sitting there and you were like, (laughs) it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, Anybody else? Someone be brave. Yes. 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 How do you avoid complacency? In your life, when heaven seems like such a distant future? That's such a good question. Um, I think it comes with retraining your mind to think about heaven in a different way. And that's what this whole camp has been about. If you just think of heaven like, man, like we talked about in that first message, if you think of it like the ride at Disneyland or any kind of ride where you're just in line, you hate lines. And so you hate the waiting. And so honestly, most Christians don't really think about heaven. And if I'm honest, we pastors don't really preach on it enough. We talk a lot about like the battle and what's going on right here and how it's going to be awesome one day, but we don't really talk about the realities of heaven and how we can live into them. And so I think one of the best ways to avoid being complacent is to constantly set your mind 
on heaven. Like, go to the scriptures and find out, like, what does Jesus say about the kingdom of heaven in the future and right now? What are the things that are exciting about heaven? What are the things that get me just so amped up? And then dwell on those things. Um, There's a saying that goes, like, we can only get excited about what we can imagine, and it's like, if we're not imagining heaven, like, God gave you an imagination, like, like, let it run wild. Like, think about how awesome, like, think about it. How awesome is a new earth going to be? Like, that's the thing. Heaven talks about a new earth. I had a, even a Bible college teacher one time who kind of made it sound like in heaven we're going to be this, these disembodied, like, spirits, like, floating around. Um, and it was kind of weird. It was like, um, <clears throat> he made it sound like we were going to be like collectively all connected to like the hive mind of God. And we were just going to like assimilate into him. And I was like, this is a weird teacher. I don't know if I agree with that. Like that doesn't seem biblical. Um, so in heaven, like it's going to be a reboot. This is at least how I understand it at this point. I'm fairly confident in my understanding. Um, but it's going to be a reboot of what God started back in Eden. So in Eden, didn't we have a physical earth? right? Physical. Like, there's an earth, and Adam and Eve live there in bodies. Um, I grew up thinking so much of heaven being just spiritual, and I I separated myself from any thought of the physical, so it was all just about being this this disembodied spirit, worshiping Jesus and singing good, good father forever and ever and ever, And, and I didn't realize, like, okay, yeah, God says one day there's a new heaven, and then he says there's a new earth. So what does that mean? In the beginning, there was heaven and earth. And remember, in the Garden of Eden, that's where heaven and earth were together because God's presence was there. The spiritual meets the physical. Like they, they, you know, they're together. And so when we have this new earth, we're going to be walking around in physical bodies with physical spiritual nature together living in this amazing place. So so what's the problem with the earth right now? Well, we've got sin, we've got death, we've got sorrow, tears, heartbreak, new earth, new heaven, none of that stuff. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. Also, bodies without limitations. Now, this is just speculation. Like, don't, you know, quote me on this. Like, this isn't in the Bible, but I'm just thinking— if our new earth is going to be a billion times better than this earth, that means some of the great stuff from this earth will probably be things we can find in the new earth in a better way. So, like, for me, I'm limited by my doughboy body. I am a chubby dude. Um, you maybe can't tell under all these baggy layers I wear, but, you know, um, I've always struggled with that. And so I can't surf and I can't cliff dive. There's all these things that I want to do, but I'm held back by kind of, like, my physique, you know. I don't have good balance. I'm, I've always wanted to skate, all this stuff. And it's like, man, in heaven it's like no limitations like I have no doubt I'll be able to do cool athletic stuff you know hey Jesus you want to go cliff dive yeah bro (laughs) new heaven new earth rock on (laughs) like that's you know what I mean I get excited about that it's going to be so much better than just sitting around like just a church service where just in heaven you're just sitting in here and some guy's like welcome to heaven Today we will be studying Romans chapter 1 for a thousand years. <laughs> like, <laughs> thousand years on each chapter of the Bible. Heaven's great. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's going it's gonna, to it's gonna be so much better and we're going to be able to experience things like worship and, and, and the Bible's going to come alive in a new way. That's going to be our history book in heaven and we're going to be able to look back and see all the things God did and just trip out and be like, man, God, you're so great. Because heaven's going to be all about giving glory to God and it's going to be so amazing. We're just going to be in this constant state of looking at God and just being like, you're so cool. 
every day you're showing me a new way that you're awesome. It's going to be so cool. So any, anyone else? Yes. If heaven can be on earth, can hell be on earth too? Well, it's important to make that distinction. So when we say when heaven can be on earth, um, let me tell you what I'm not saying, okay? Here's what I'm not saying. Um, I'm not saying, like, guys, you know, if we just go out and we do really good things, and if we just go out and, you know, change the world and save the whales and all of this stuff, then the world's going to become heaven. Like, this world's going to turn into heaven. Heaven's going to be on here. Um, that's not true because we know that Jesus says that when he comes back, when he comes back, that's when we have the new heaven and new earth. He brings it. So it's not up to us to make this world into heaven. That's not our job. That's his job. Um, so technically the finished reality of heaven can't be here on earth, but the reality of what God is doing, like it's, it's like that foretaste of heaven can be here. We can live into that reality, and then Jesus finishes it. Um, so that's a great, that's a brilliant question, though, the whole idea. So like, yes, heaven can be on, here on earth in a sense, but the final version is coming. Does that make sense, at least? Okay, so then we talk about heaven and hell. So if, 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 some, if some version, if some glimpse, if some dual reality of heaven can be here on earth right now, what about hell? I would say yes, and this is actually an important thing for you to realize, is stop thinking of hell of just a future destination as well. Hell is also a present reality. So anywhere that sin is, just like anywhere the king is, that's where heaven is. Anywhere that sin is, that is where a reality of hell is. Let me give you guys just an analogy. Um, So is uh, the country of Germany, is it a place... Or is it a force? Anybody? Is it a place? Who says? Who thinks it's a place? Who thinks it's a force? Okay, check this out. It's both. It's both. Okay. So, if I live in Germany, I'm living in a place, right? Wouldn't you say it's a physical place that I exist? Does that make sense? Now, if I am in World War II and I'm a country being bombed by Germany, do I view Germany as just a place or is it a force? Is it doing something to me? Is it coming against me? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? So hell is a physical place that one day, it was not made for humans, which it's lame that some humans are going to end up going there, but it was made for Satan and his demons. It's a place, it's a final resting point for punishment for Satan and his demons, and some humans end up there because they choose to not follow Jesus. But it's not only a place, it's a force, because we constantly are being bombarded by the forces of hell in our lives. And this is really important to think of. So some of you guys might be like, I'm not going to live for the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're on the fence about that still. I'm not going to live for the kingdom of heaven. I just want to live for myself. Here's the reality. If you're not living for the kingdom of heaven, you're living for the kingdom of hell. And you're actually not only advancing, you're not advancing the kingdom of heaven. When you live for yourself, you're advancing the kingdom and the agenda of hell. So when you live for yourself and you're selfish, you bring pain and you bring sin into your life and the life of other people. And it's like you're advancing the forces of hell into their world. So really, you have a responsibility. Like you can't just like take your hands off the wheel and just be like, you know what? 
I'm not ready to follow Jesus right now. Like, I'm not ready to, you know, commit. I just want to live for myself. Really? It's one side or the other. Jesus says you're either for me or against me. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Cool. Anybody else? I think you had one, dude. Yeah. Right. Hmm. What are the Christians who are dead right now? What are they doing? Um, there's different theories. There's different um, opinions that Bible scholars have. Um, so some people believe that um, when people die, everybody just goes into the grave and they wait for Jesus to come back. Um, I don't agree with that, though. I, it's definitely a good, it's a good uh, theory and opinion, but... Um, I believe that the Bible talks about, this is where it gets kind of confusing. Um, it's cool that I actually just read this in a book, in that book by Randy Alcorn, because it kind of helps me break it down. Um, so st- stay with me, don't get lost here. Um, so we're waiting for the final place of God, which is going to be called heaven and earth together. New heaven, new earth. Right now, there is actually a place where God dwells that's actually called heaven, and it's a completely spiritual realm. And we're going to go there when we die. When we die, that's going to be our temporary home. We're going to show up in this place called heaven, and it's this, it's, there's nothing physical really about it. It's completely spiritual. So when we die, we will be there. And so I believe the people who have died before us are there with Jesus right now. And I believe that they are with him in that spiritual presence, and they're like awaiting that day when Jesus comes back. Because we, we all believe here at Calvary Chapel that Jesus is coming back, the second coming of Christ. And that is when he comes and he returns to the world, and he makes everything new. And that whole idea of like making everything new, there's different theories on that too. Some people believe that um, he's actually going to come back to this earth and like blow it up, and then like from the remains, like piece together a new world. Um, that's a good theory. Other people believe that he's not going to blow up this earth, but he's going to come and wipe away everything wrong with this earth and actually renew it and make it better and bring it back to what he intended. I lean more that way, but honestly, whether he blows up this world and then like picks up the pieces and puts it back together or he just like wipes away everything bad, it's honestly really the same thing. Um, so don't trip out on it too much. Um, but yeah, how, is, that, is that a good answer? Cool, dude. Anybody else? Yes. Practical ways you can bring the kingdom in your everyday life. So cool. You guys are doing such a good job answering or asking questions. These are awesome questions. What are practical ways that you can bring the kingdom? Okay. Practical ways that you can bring the kingdom are thinking... In every situation that you go through, how can I do this for God's kingdom? So, really practical ways. When you're at home, help your parents. Love your siblings. Be a servant. Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be a servant of all. So it's like, it's almost like, like, don't take this literally, but just... Think of it as an example. Think of it almost like, you know, the spiritual realm. There, there's this physical dimension we live, and then think of like a fourth dimension. And it's like you can't see it, but think of it as like, you know, in, your, in this dimension, for you to go and do dishes for your mom, it's like I'm losing something. 
I'm losing something. I'm losing time. I've got something I want to do. I'm giving of myself. Ugh. But then think of like that invisible dimension. Just imagine that every time you go and, and you do dishes for your mom, like there's these bricks that are being built in this beautiful, glorious city. There's treasures in heaven being piled. You know, like you guys have always heard that, like, like just wash the dishes and you'll get treasures in heaven. It's not just like, it's not like this just special thing that we say as Christians. Like in the reality, like you are building this unseen world that's going to be fully realized. And, 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 and so that's one way is, is help helping around the house. Another way is, okay, so with your schoolwork, a lot of times as a student, I looked at school as something that was an obstacle. It's like, I've got things that I want to do at the end of the day, but I've got to get past this school to get to the things that I want to do. Does anyone ever feel that way? Yeah, it's like, man, I just got to get past this. And, and we don't really spend a lot of time thinking, okay, God put me here in this school for a reason, and he wants me to learn and grow my mind that he gave me for a reason. You see, honoring God as a student means all of the places God has put you, your home, your school, your church, your neighborhood, your community, being faithful in those places, being the best example of Jesus in those places. So that means for you, do your schoolwork. Like, work hard. Do your best. Uh, don't kill yourself. Like, do your best and let Jesus take care of the rest. Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, don't break your back over your schoolwork and become this, like, crazy, like, obsessed with grades and academics person. But just live for Jesus in your schoolwork and do your best and give it to him. Don't do it for your teachers. Don't do it for your parents. Do it for the Lord and say, God, you've put me here in this school, so I'm going to be faithful. I think of the story of Joseph. Um, Joseph was somebody where even, you know, he's on this side of the cross, but he's still living for God's kingdom. Um, He's this kid, and, and he's just, you know, he's awesome, and his dad loves him, and he's got these brothers, and, and, and his brothers hate him because he's his dad's favorite, so they sell him into slavery. So he's in slavery. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever realized this for, with the story of Joseph, but, you know, when you become a slave in Egypt, all of your body hair gets waxed off. Your head gets shaved, and you just become this hairless mole rat. Like, that's painful, <laughs> That's lame for Joseph. Like, that's a bummer. So if I got thrown into slavery and had all my hair waxed off, like, I wouldn't be like, Lord, I just want to serve you. Like, I'd be like, why? That's not Joseph. Like, Joseph is, as a slave, he's like, Lord, I'm not going to do this for my slave master. I'm going to do it for you because I live for a higher kingdom. I am going to be the best slave ever ever, because I'm going to do it for you. Everything you put in front of me, Lord, I'm going to do for you. Then what happens? He gets accused of rape, something he didn't do, and he gets thrown in jail, and, and then, I mean, if that were me, I'd be like, all right, Lord, you and I, like, you've got some splaining to do, but Joseph is in jail, and he's like, you know what, God? Like, I'm here. I trust you. I trust that you're in control. You know what? I'm going to be the best prisoner of all time. And he is. He's, this guy, he like, he's like serving other people in jail. He's helping people. He's interpreting their dreams. He's, he's being a servant. And, and God rewards him. He, 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 the Lord like brings him into the story and says, Joseph, like you are amazing. Like You've passed the test, man. Like You were faithful. Now I'm going to give you responsibility. I'm actually going to give you more responsibility in the kingdom. And Joseph becomes like the vice president of Egypt. Um, they don't have vice presidents, like vice, vice pharaoh. I don't know. Um, but another practical way is what we talked about last night. So 
witnessing, sharing the gospel. Really, guys, like that's what it's all about. If we want to advance the kingdom, remember, we don't do it by violently taking back ground and killing our enemies. Jesus says, love our enemies. So anybody who isn't saved, you know, they're a part of that worldly kingdom. They're a part of the kingdom of the enemy. Jesus says, love them, sacrifice, and go to them. Sacrifice your popularity, your social standing. um, Take a risk and go out and share the Lord with them, even if you're afraid they're going to reject you. And when you do that, it's like dropping a bag, like a giant bag of bricks into the kingdom. It's it's not just like, oh, one brick. It's like you you are advancing. You are taking back ground. And it's really a shift of priorities. To live for the kingdom it's it's you have to completely die to yourself and go i'm gonna stop living for the grades and the future college and the job and the money and the house and the boats and the kids and the perfect white picket fence like i'm i'm gonna die to that dream if god wants to bless me with some of that along the way praise the lord but you know what if god tells me to not go to college and live in Africa in a hut and serve people for Jesus, I'm going to do that because I want to live for his kingdom. And even if that completely defies logic and all the things that my parents think are reasonable, um, I'm going to serve that higher kingdom. I'm going to live for what God calls me to do, no matter what it is, wherever he wants me to go, whatever he wants me to do. Is that a good answer? Yeah? Okay. Anybody else? I saw you first. I felt bad because you're closer, but I did see you first. You're going to have to be really loud, though. How can we encourage sleeping Christians to wake up? Um, I find that pouring water on their face while they're sleeping. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think to encourage sleeping Christians to wake up, it means being willing to have the hard conversation. Being willing to like sit down and have a heart-to-heart with them and be like, hey, listen, I've got some really hard things to say, but it's because I love you, and it's because I desperately want you to follow Jesus. And here's the reality. A lot of times, even for myself, we don't have those conversations because we're afraid of losing the relationship and hurting it. We're afraid of that person not liking us anymore because when people are in their sin, they want to be in their sin. And you know, like if, if I go and talk to this person because they love their sin so much, there's a really big chance that they're going to blow me off and I'm not going to be their friend anymore. Like they're going to stop being, they're going to cut off ties with me and I'm going to, I'm going to hate that because I love them and I want to be their friend. But you know what? Honestly, in the end, it's worth it. If someone that you knew had a disease and they didn't want to make They didn't want to acknowledge that they had the disease because they knew that that would mean lifestyle changes, diet changes, having to go to the doctor. But you knew that that disease was going to kill them in the end. Like, how lame would it be for us if that person is dying from a disease and they ask us, like, hey, I'm okay, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, you're fine. You're great. You're awesome. Like, don't even worry about it. I mean, honestly, how many times have we done that? How many times have you seen your friend in a relationship that's terrible for them, but because you don't want to hurt your relationship with them, you're like, oh, you're fine. It's going to work out. He's great. He's the devil, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, how many times do we watch our friends in sin, but because we don't want to have that awkward conversation, we we just don't. We need to be willing to have that hard conversation in love. And I always say, Go to the scripture. Don't just give them your opinion. Like, steady for that conversation. Prepare. Prep for that conversation. Come in armed with scripture. 
and don't give it to them like holier than thou. Listen, thus says the Lord. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come to them in love and just say, hey, listen, like, you and I, like, because we're talking about Christians here, like, not non-safe people. We're talking about friends who are Christians. So you come and you're like, hey, listen, we both love the Lord. We're both saved. But listen, we're called to follow Jesus. And honestly, right now, I don't know if that's what you're doing because when I look at what's going on in your life, it doesn't really seem like you're following. And another thing you can tell them is just remind them the Christian walk is an uphill battle. So any time that you're not moving forward, you're actually backsliding. And so when people refuse to grow, when they refuse to press into Jesus and let him change them every day and grow, they end up backsliding. And so if your friend's in that place, you know, I'd say just be willing to have that conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. And then you. Yes. Oh, it's so good. But did you have more? Okay. Yeah. How do you know when you're hearing God's voice? So... Um, I get really excited about this concept. Oh, man. Okay. Um, It's just, the Bible just tells us some really cool stuff about it. Um, Okay, so so back in the olden days of the scripture, where you guys are at in the year of biblical literacy, God didn't really speak to that many people on a personal level. The way that it worked is God would kind of pick one figurehead— to speak to, and then that guy would come and speak to everyone else. So, you know, God would pick Moses, and then God would meet with Moses up on the mountain, and then Moses would come and he'd speak to the people. Now, this model, honestly, is what a lot of Christians think it still is. Like, you guys think that I went up and I prayed, and God spoke to me, and now I'm here speaking to you, and you're like, oh, sweet. Now, this is my one time of year where God says something to me through somebody else. Here's the reality. In, in the scriptures, there was this prophecy that the prophets spoke of where they said, one day the Spirit of God will fall down on the earth and fill all of his people. Like a rushing wind, it'll flow over them. It's so exciting. So that prophecy was fulfilled on the cross. See, when Jesus died, he made a way that God's spirit can actually come down and enter into all of his followers and give them access, which is something people didn't have. So here's the reality. Did you know that you actually have more access to God than Moses did in the Old Testament? But he was on a mountain and he saw him shine. It's like... Yeah, but you have the spirit of the living God living in your heart. So back to the question of how do I know God is speaking? Um, I'll answer it with a story. There was a sixth grade girl one time. My wife and I were driving home. Her name was Belle. And Belle, um, this cute little redhead kid, you know, she's like, God never speaks to me. And I'm like, okay, Belle, like, what do you mean? Like, what are you looking for? Well, he never, like, speaks with a voice, you know, like, Belle, clean your room. My mom says that, but not God. And I was like, all right, Belle, did you know that God is always speaking to you? She's like, what are you talking about? God is constantly speaking. The question is, are you listening? See, God is speaking every day in many different ways. And I'll give you an example. First of all, his word. You have his word. Remember, if you've ever asked this question, why isn't God speaking? Why isn't God speaking? What would God say? He already said it. It's Jesus. 
Jesus is what God has to say. If you're ever wondering what God has to say about any particular situation, look to the scriptures and find Jesus. He's, there's clues of him. There's foreshadows of him scattered all throughout the Old Testament. And we see in the New Testament, in the Gospels, the heart of God. So that's one way. Another way is through pastors and preaching. God speaks to us, and we get up here, and we share a word for you. Are you, when you hear a pastor speak, are you just thinking like, oh, this guy has some good stuff to say, or are you realizing that God is trying to directly communicate to your heart through a message? Now, here's another way, though, going back to what I was talking about with God's Spirit coming down on all people. You all have the Holy Spirit, which means that God is constantly speaking to you through other people. So when you talk to your Christian friends and they're sharing their heart, did you know that God is trying to speak to you through them? When you talk to your pastors and your counselors, did you know that God is trying to speak to you through them? When you speak to someone and you're talking about the Lord and then you're sharing, did you know that God is trying to speak through you? That's the way his spirit works. And and finally, um, one of the ways that God speaks is through this still, small voice in our heart. Remember when I was talking about that evangelism last night? Um, so God was speaking to me when he would tell me, like, go witness to those people. But he never said it out loud. It was never like, Aaron, go. Like, it was never like this loud voice. It was just this feeling in my heart. And that can sound warm and fuzzy, you know, and I can't tell you exactly what that feels like. It's kind of intangible. But here's the thing. It's not out of the ordinary to hear from God because you were made for that. Like, would it be out of the ordinary for a radio to play music? No, that's what it's made for. You, like, it's not as hard as we make it out to be. You as a human are designed. You've been created and crafted. Your body and your soul have been gifted with the ability to actually hear from God. You've been given that from the start. And it activates once you become a Christian. It's, it lays dormant, and then when you give your life to Jesus, psh, that turns on, and now you can hear from the Spirit of God. One of the biggest obstacles is just us not listening. It's us not taking the time to seek Jesus and get in his word and get around people who speak his word and get to church and get to youth group, or we sit in youth group, but we don't take notes and we don't listen. You have to realize that the, the way that God speaks to you is just, it's all over. He's constantly speaking. I was talking to a girl here, and, and she was looking at the snow, and it reminded her of something God did. And I was like, see, God is speaking to you right now. He's speaking through the snow. He speaks through symbols and imagery and nature and people. He's constantly, constantly speaking. That's been one of the greatest things for me in my Christian walk is waking up to the reality that Every day, God is speaking. Every day, he prepares feasts for us. And we just have to show up to the table with a willing heart. If we live in a distracted way, that can be the problem. Any other questions? Okay. One last chance. Anybody? Yeah? Okay. All right. Okay. Um, So I just want to wrap up with a story and then just a really simple analogy. Um, so I want to tell you guys, um, kind of tack this on to last night's message. It's another story of evangelism. So um, I love this story. Um, I just want, I want to encourage you guys that you can do this. Like it's not just pastors, okay? It's not just, like I said, specific people God chose to be evangelists. It's all of us. So I want to share you guys a story about my students stepping up. Um, so we went down to um, 
this place called Imperial Beach. And it's kind of far away. And it was one of those things where me and my brother-in-law, Scott, we honestly looked at a map and we prayed. And this is kind of a good um, part of that, like, how do I know God's speaking part? But we just prayed and we said, God, here, I am, here we are, send us. Where do you want us to go? So we looked at the map and we were like, okay, these towns are really close. And we saw Imperial Beach. And both of us kind of had this sense like, okay, God wants us to go to Imperial Beach. That's like an hour and a half away. Well, God wants us to go. How do you know? I don't know. I just know. Like, I've got that sense. So we get in the van. We get all of our youth group kids. We go down to Imperial Beach. And we go to this cliff, and we're praying, and we're like, God, fill us with your spirit. Give us people to share the gospel with. Give us people to love. Give us people, like, just bring us people. All of a sudden, this surfer shows up. And he's like, hey, bruh. What are you guys doing here? Here's my response as the pastor. I'm so lame. I turn to him and I go, we're just hanging out. Just hanging. Not like, we're here to preach the gospel to you. No, I'm just like, we're just hanging. He's like, oh, cool. And he walks away. All of my kids look at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, what's wrong? Like, you bring us here to share the gospel and then someone walks up and you're like, ah, we're just hanging out, man. Like, so... Yeah, everyone's looking at me like I'm stupid, which I am. And uh, I'm so bummed. I feel like such a loser. I'm like, oh, man. So we, we start splitting up into teams, and I start breaking up kids into groups. And I've got this group of um, two boys and two girls. And um, I'm telling the kids, like, all right, I'm trying to teach them how to listen to the Spirit. So I'm like, all right, you guys rely on me for everything. You guys want me to do all the talking. You guys want me to tell you where to go. But I don't want us to do that. Listen, we need to listen to the Spirit of God. So... Let's pray, and then let's, let's ask God to direct us. And I want you guys to listen to the Spirit, and wherever you feel like God is saying, like, let's walk down that street, let's go in that direction, just tell me, and then we'll do it. So we pray, and the kids are like, Lord, help, show us the way. So then I, I turn to my kids, I'm like, where do you think we should go first? And right away, this girl named Lexi, she's like, let's go to those surfers that you totally didn't tell Jesus about. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we walk over to this group of surfers, and they're, it's that one guy, and then they're all sitting by their van, you know, and they're hanging out in the back of the van. And we walk over, and um, I just tell my kids, like, okay, it's time. Like, let's go for it. Share the gospel. And this is really quick. Um, a great way to share the gospel is I break it down. If you're somebody who it's hard for you to find words and it's hard for you to figure out like how to phrase things and you're thinking of like the big giant story of God and you're like, so let me tell, first there was this guy named Adam and then there was Noah and Moses and Abraham. Oh, they're walking away. <laughs> like, like they're not going to listen to like the whole story. So um, to break down the gospel, we just share it in three simple ways. We go sickness, cure, and then what are you going to do about it? So sin is the sickness, Jesus is the cure, and then you tell people, hey, are you going to respond to this? So I tell my kids, like, okay, you know the drill. Like, tell them, tell them about Jesus. So the kids start talking, and my kids start sharing, and with these surfers, and they're so scared, they're so intimidated, because these surfers are so cool. They're all buff with, like, long hair, and they just, they just look rad, you know? And, and, and so my kids are sharing, and they're just like, like yeah, so there's sin, and, and then there's Jesus, and he did this, and then, yeah. So we go through it. But we don't do the third step. We don't ask them, what do you want to do about it? And, and I almost kind of like walk away. I'm almost like, okay, so now you guys know. All right, bye. Um, but the Lord speaks to me, and he's like, you forgot about step three. 
You've got to ask them what do they want to do about it. And I'm like, Lord, that's so awkward. I hate step three. It's, just, it's like I feel like I'm selling insurance. Like, it's just like, ah. Uh, like. But the Lord was like, go for it. So then I step up, and I'm like, yeah, so you guys have now heard the good news. So do you want to accept Jesus? Like, do you want Jesus in your life? Do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? And like the, the first server we talked to, he looks at his friends, and he's like, yes, bro. Yes. You guys in? All of his friends, all eight of these servers are like, yes. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Let's accept Jesus. Yeah. My kids are so excited. They're like, yeah. No joke. No joke. This other guy, this other surfer who was sitting in the car next door, he gets out of his car and he's like, um, I was just overhearing what you guys were talking about. Can I accept Jesus too? And all the servers are like, radical, brah! <laughs> and we're just so excited. And then he goes, oh, wait, I'm shirtless. Can I accept Jesus if I'm shirtless? <laughs> and we're like, yes, dude, yes. So then we start praying. And we're just, we're praying. And we're, t- we're going through the sinner's prayer. And I'm, I'm leading them in the prayer. And I'm just like, you know, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I want to follow you. Lord, I want to follow you. <laughs> and then I'm like... I get to the end of the prayer, you know, and I'm like, all right, Lord, in your name, amen. And the surfer goes, Brian, amen. (laughs) He signed his name onto it. He's like, in my name, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours, Lord. But honestly, I had such a, I had such a small part in that, and I was so excited to look at my kids and be like, that, that was, that was you guys, following the Spirit, listening to the Spirit. I would really encourage some of you guys in this youth group, I, I would say, you know, like don't, you don't even need your leaders to do this on your own. You could organize on a Saturday. Let's go hang out at the mall and let's tell people about Jesus. When you do it together as a team and you band together for the kingdom of God, honestly, it's so amazing because you're not living for yourself anymore. When you start serving the Lord, when you start um, volunteering at your church, you know, maybe you're here in youth group and it's all about just getting poured into. You just come to youth group and Alan's teaching bomb messages and you're just stoked and getting filled. But you know what happens when we don't give back? When we don't exercise our faith, we become chubby Christians. We just get so full of the word. It's like, oh yes, more Jesus. Yes, this is awesome. But then we're like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> And, and listen, I mean, volunteer at your church. Volunteer in the children's ministry. Volunteer in the nursery. Give back. Serve. Serve your family. Serve your community. Go love Jesus. But when you do these things, you feel so much more fulfilled when life is, when, when life is just about, like, school and video games and girls or boys. And just, like, it's just, like, like have, you ever, have you ever felt like, like, I wish there was something more to life? Has anyone ever felt that? Yeah? It's because there is. And we miss out on it when we don't live for the Lord. So here's the last thing I'll say. Um, So I think you guys have just been at a camp. It's a mountaintop experience. You're all stoked for Jesus. But what tends to happen is you get all stoked for Jesus, and then you go down the mountain, and you're like, oh, I forgot. Following Jesus is hard. I'm not going to do it. Like, that's what we do. We, We go back home, and the fire dies out. Now, 
I have a fireplace in my backyard, or a fire pit, and we actually do youth group on Wednesday nights in my backyard. We do backyard bonfires with Jesus, and when I first got that fire pit, I was like, all right, I'm going to build a fire, because I'm a man, and men can build fires, because apparently it's just instinctively in our DNA. Um, <laughs> it's not, at least not in mine. Um, I tried to build that fire, and it was the worst fire ever. Here's what I did. I got wood, put it in the fireplace, then I got lighter fluid, and I just sprayed it all over the wood. I lit the fire, and it was like, whoosh, and I was like, I am the fire master. Ha ha, flame. Um, guess what happened? The fire died, like, within 10 minutes. That's what happens when you build a fire improperly. See, to build an actual fire, I learned this, it actually takes time and care. You have to gather what's called kindling, these little broken twigs and leaves and all these things that are combustible, and you, you build the base, the foundation, and then you add the wood and, and you structure it and you build it in this way that it can stand and it won't fall. And then you light it and you light the fire and it starts burning, but then what happens? You have to continue to add to it. You have to continue to fan the flame. You have to continue to build that fire and keep it going or else it's just going to die out now some of you guys and i'm just i'm the guest speaker so i can say these things and not hurt your feelings some of you guys treat your christian life like i did when i originally built that fire you're like all right i got the wood i mean like i got saved so there's that and then you go to camp and you're like lighter fluid for jesus i'm on fire dude for the lord (laughs) And then you go home, and it's just like, (laughs) and you're like, next year till camp, bro. (laughs) Got a lot of sin to do. (laughs) And then you go off. Guys, don't do that. Build the fire. Keep it going. Build that foundation of time with Jesus, time in his word, time with prayer, time serving others. Let that be your foundation. Continue to build. Continue to add. Come back to youth group and don't just show up and say, what can you do for me, youth group? But show up and say, how can I serve? How can I give back? How can I love? When you do these things, guys, you'll have a fire for Jesus that's not just a campfire, but a lasting life fire. That's my last message to you guys. Love you all. It's been so great. I'm going to be praying for you guys. I'm going to be keeping you guys in my prayers. And I'm just so excited to see what God does in and through you guys as you go home. Let's pray and let's just give this time. Yeah, thanks. Or actually, I'm going to, I'm going to pass the mic. Are you coming up for it? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> he trusts me to pray. Excellent. What if I just started out, I was like, dear Satan, oh, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) never trust me to pray. Um, Gosh, okay, so let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless this time, okay? Lord, I pray, dear Jesus, that you would fall on this place, God, like we talked about. Lord, the day has come where your spirit has fallen on all of your people like a rushing wind blowing through the temple. God, there's so many students here who don't realize that your spirit is available to them. God, I pray right now for everyone who's willing that your spirit would just blow into them and that they would fill them, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit and that we would hear mighty words of testimony, God, that we would hear from students coming up, sharing their heart, and God, that we would all in this room, 
No matter who's speaking, just be in awe, realizing that you're speaking to us through them. God, we are just vessels, and you work through us, God. We're just instruments, and you play beautiful music through us. We're so thankful for that, God, for that opportunity. So use us now, Lord. Speak through us. Preach to us through one another. I pray that we would leave this place so filled with all the beautiful, wonderful things you've done, Lord. We love you, Lord. We ask right now in this room that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen.